You can open up your Bibles to James 1. You may not know this, but this is going to be the final message of the first section of James. And what that means is absolutely nothing, because we'll just start with the next series right after this. But just thought you would like to know that. We're going to read James 1, 13 through 18, because this whole whole section really goes together, and I want to make sure we are placing this before our minds from the onset. So James 1, verse 13, says this, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much for this evening that you have given to us to humble ourselves before you and and come to you in praise and worship and, and come to you in your word and humbly seek to understand it by the help of your Spirit, so that we may grow up through it. I pray that you would help us to endure trial better because of your word tonight. You would increase our perseverance. You would increase our wisdom. And you would increase, most of all, our love for you. Our love for you that would not turn away from you unto temptation or sin, but would delight to be near you and draw closer to you and run to you. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name, asking these things as we would believe he would be asking for us. Amen. Let's just review James so far so you kind of know where we're, where we're at with James. And if you remember the actions, uh, why should you rejoice in trial? Well, because trials, everybody do this with me, trials, this is the the picture of trials, right? Just rubbing against you, like these words that I'm saying are rubbing against your earlobes right now. Uh, trials strengthen your faith, right? Trials strengthen your faith. But only as you pray to God for wisdom. What does wisdom do? Wisdom helps you, what? Think eternally. Wisdom helps you look forward to the crown. Wisdom helps you recognize that temptations, they come from within. They don't come from somewhere else, they come from within. And lastly, true wisdom trusts, do this with me, it's like you're doing one of those uh, trust falls, you know, where you're going to fall backwards into someone's arms and they drop you. (laughs) True wisdom trusts everything that comes from God. Got that? True wisdom trusts everything that comes from God. That's where we're at tonight. And that is verses 16 through 18 specifically. Trust 
everything that comes from God. But before we get into what that means, let me just tell you something. It is easy to blame others, isn't it? It's easy to blame others, isn't it? It is knee-jerk almost. You get in trouble and you're instantly thinking, who else is responsible? Surely this isn't just all my fault. I mean, yeah, I threw the spoon on the floor in anger, but my mom didn't see how my sister looked at me right before she walked in. It's not all my fault. I want to blame someone else. I would say to you, though, that blaming others, blaming others, if you want to follow our hand gestures, for our sin is easy. It is natural. It is a sinful response. Andrew, these aren't gestures. You don't have to do these anymore, okay? (laughs) It is the simple, sinful response that is natural to do, right? It is, uh, test yourself tomorrow when your sin is called out and, and, and see inside your heart, am I being quick to blame or make excuses? It is a easy, natural sinner's response. And we are so bold as sinners to even blame God for our sin. Sometimes it's to say, no, no, well, it's not totally my God. And that's kind of what we saw in previous passages, right? There is a temptation when you are being tempted to say, God is doing this to me in some way. He is putting me in difficult circumstances that I cannot bear. He is a bit responsible because he put me in this body. He put me in this family. God is to blame. I have no other choice. And once again, this is the natural sinner's response. Sinners have been blaming others, particularly God, from the beginning. What did Adam say when God called him out on his sin in the No, God, it wasn't me, it was you. You're the one that gave this woman to me. That was a a nuanced version of that, but that's basically what Adam was saying. Sinners blame others. It is the go-to natural response for our sin. We say to ourselves, because of my circumstances, I had no choice but to sin. We say to ourselves, had God answered my prayers again and again when I prayed them, I would not have had to resort to a sinful response. I may have sinned, but it's not all my fault. We like to, perhaps, in the, in the secret parts of our hearts, therefore, make God kind of this distant God, this distant and unwilling God who is unable to answer us or help us, and therefore we blame him. But I would say to you, if you're really honest, if you're really honest about your sin, these would be some of the reasons you could give why you sin. So maybe take note of one or two. Why do you sin? Well, I sin, you sin, because I trust sin. I trust sin. I believe what temptation is promising me in my sin. I say, that's the promise, and I believe it. I trust sin. Or, I sin because I am willing to be satisfied with temporary temporary pleasures that sin will bring me more than anything else. I sin because I am willingly saying, I choose this temporary satisfaction 
more than anything else. Or I sin because I want sin. I want to sin more than anything else. Or I sin because I believe I need what this sinful response will provide me more than I need holiness. More to ask God or tell God, not my will, but your, yours be done. I need to say, I need to sin in this way. More than I need holiness. Or, I sin because I have not been with my sin in the past. Sin, in other words, because sin doesn't disturb me. Bother me. It doesn't trouble me. I am not enough with my sin, therefore I am angry in response to others in sin. Or how about this? I sin because I don't believe God's warnings about the dangers of sin. I simply do not believe what James uh, 1, 14 through 15 is telling me about where temptation leads. I do not believe I do not believe that this will ruin my relationships. I do not believe in my heart. I do not believe that this will cloud my mind and my eyes. I do not believe that this will steal and my affections away. I do not believe God's warnings about the ruin into my life. I do not believe that this will bring humiliation to my life. I do not believe that misery and even death that's why i sin because i don't believe god's warning or how about lastly finally i sin because i am too easily satisfied with less than what god gives i sin because too easily satisfied with less what god gives I know you could give me something in this moment, but I am satisfied with less than your good gifts. I want to satisfy my pleasures. I want to satisfy my sense of justice. I want to satisfy my need for revenge. More trust in your good gifts. Now, James uh, 1, 18, I think, states it very bluntly to us as well. He he basically says we sin because some way. Do you see that there in verse 16? Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And here I think he's kind of referring to what we're just in and the section we're moving into. We sin because we are deceived. To be deceived is to be led astray, to be made to wander aimlessly. It's the same word that's used in 5.19 when James says, my brothers, if anyone... Uh, any among you strays from the truth. That means to be deceived. Just like our version. And, and how are you deceived? Why, why are you deceived? Well, uh, number one, you're, you're deceived about yourself and the very nature of your sin and temptation. And that's what we talked about last time, right? You're deceived. You're, you're, you're willing to place the blame for your sin anywhere else and you're deceived about your heart and where temptation begins and what temptation results in. But notice also this is seems to be a bridge verse. It's kind of handling two sections at the same time. About yourself. You're also deceived about your God. You're deceived about the truth of your God, as we see in verse 17 and 18. And tonight, this is what we want to do. We want to reveal our God to 
us so that we will trust him more in trial and not be deceived in trial. Instead, run to him in trial. That's my whole aim for you tonight. To help you not be deceived about who your God is in trials and troubles so that instead of running from him to sin, you run to him for grace and gifts. I am aiming, in other words, for a perspective shift in your heart or mind. You may be in trials and in troubles. They might be big and they might be small. And I'm right now, if you're seeking God for the wrong reasons, you will be frustrated. But notice this. God might give you what you need, but not what you want. You may be in trial, but that's not what God wants to give you understand what God is here to give you, you will be deceived. Why is he not stuff in my life? We'll see tonight that he does all sorts of things. Quick to answer. Quick to help. He is the source of everything good in your heart. Seek him in wisdom. You need to seek him not to escape your trial, but to go your trial. Once again, this is what we're talking about tonight. Tonight's message is simply reasons to run to God in your trial, okay? Reasons to run to God in your trial. I'm going to, I'm going to develop a progressive statement. You know what this is? You know, my, my first point is part of a sentence, and my second point is the situation of that sentence, and the final point is the full sentence. Although, you've ever heard because it's... Sorry for my grammar, but I, it just kind of flowed this way. So here's my three points. Uh, we should run to God in our trials and in our testing and even in temptation because he is the source of everything you need and he is the source of everything you need to see and he is the source of everything you need to see and be. But I'll go through that point by point. And it's a little confusing, I understand. But first, let's go to the first reason we should run to God in trials, in one, run to him because he is the source of everything you need. He is the source of everything you need. To him. Trust in him. Bend towards him in trouble instead of away from him in doubt. Notice Notice the descriptions that are God in verse 17. You could say these are the qualities. These are the qualities. Notice the qualities of God's gift. Verse 17. Notice the overwhelming provision from God in his gifts that we see here. The overwhelming provision. Notice, first off, in verse 17, his gifts are described as good and even perfect. These are words of sufficiency. These are value. God's Gifts to you are good and perfect. They're not warped. They're not deceiving you. You down. They are good and they are perfect. Even the greatest part. Notice the double every. Verse 17. Every good thing and every perfect gift. There's, there's two words that repeat themselves in the original where they get that every and every. Why, why is James repeating so much? Well, it could be that he's just trying to be kind of matches the two lines, you know, every good and every perfect. 
be being poetic, but I, I have people never, uh, never blurs truth look cute. I actually think James is making a startling statement and emphasizing it heavily. He, he's insisting that we see this. And, and what does he want you to see evening? He wants you to see that everything you need is found in God. Not, maybe not everything you want, but everything you need. Every good, every perfect gift. He, he is saying that there is nothing spiritually necessary in your life. Uh, there is nothing that you need for life and for godliness that God withholds or that God won't give to you. He's saying here, you, you receive everything you need to endure, everything you need to persevere, everything you need to rejoice in trials and overcome. Because God who gives every good and every perfect gift. God will overwhelmingly God will richly, God will sufficiently provide you with all you need. And once again, it might not be everything you need. Provision, once again, is overwhelming provision. But notice also, it is origin. Notice the next quality of this gift, gifts of God, outside in origin. And I get this these gifts, these every good and these every perfect gifts are where? From where? From above. And that's incredibly good news. God is not problems. God is not trapped by your blind spots. God sees over you. And he gives gifts that see over you. Right? He above. You are the little beneath. You cannot see the next few steps and he knows and he gives you every good and perfect gift for at your end in life and in godliness these gifts are inside in their origin. Original to you come from you. Force in you. In other words, trials should outward and upward. Or else your trials will do you no good. Go inward yourself all the time. Your trials will be of no benefit. You need something. You need gifts that are above you. And overwhelming. Vision. Notice these qualities once again. They, they are overwhelming provision. They are outside in origin. But notice a final quality of God's gift. Ongoing in their ministry. They are ongoing in their ministry. Notice also the verbal adjective, you could say, uh, right there, halfway. Every. From the Father. They are coming down. This, this phrase, this action phrase is modifying these good gifts that are given. And there's a verbal sense to this phrase. It's a 
perpetual sense. It's an ongoing sense. Continually coming down. You get that? So, so James is essentially saying every good thing given, every perfect gift is from, a be, uh, from above, coming down repeatedly from the Father. It's unending supply. That's the beauty of this, right? It's the beauty of God as the source of everything you need. God gives you everything you need outside of your circumstances, outside of your weakness, and continuously for everything you need. That's what that verse says. And this is what comes right now when you... This is what will deceive you about from God. It will blind you unless you open up your Bible in your trial and instead of pointing inward, you point upward. Now to be clear, notice the contrast here and there is an intentional contrast here. It, just before 13 and 14 and 15, we see everything dangerous, right? From within. Danger comes from within. But everything God gives to us is invisible. Do you see that? Trials come from within, but God's good gifts, His gracious gifts, come from above. And by the way, this is another reason to claim that God is is the source of everything good in your life. God is the source of everything you need. God's good gifts are abundant. God in His grace gives us Christ Jesus, who gives eternal through His own body and blood and death for our sake. God in His goodness and His grace gives us the Holy Spirit so that not only are we justified, but also sanctified and, and made to become like Christ. God. In other words, you have need. You have everything to transform your bad days into blessings in your life. Maybe not the kind of blessings you want, maybe not the kind of blessings that the world wants, that will bring you into conformity with Christ, more like Christ, and may and make you as Christ would respond, like our song even sang, my will, but yours be done. As James would say it, and give you Joyce. So, what's what's the response? We need to run to him, right? You are the source of everything I need. I'm going to stop trusting in myself, my will, stop trusting in my form my will and my wants to your will and your wants. Because you are the source of everything I need. Runs We're on the second point, just so you know. Trials is is the source of everything you need to see. To him in trials, in action, because he is the source you need in order to 
in order to see. What does it mean to see? We'll explain. We'll explain. Uh, verse 17, halfway through. Notice who these gifts come from. The, the particular phrase that's used to describe our God. who He is of lights. A very interesting phrase, if you ask me. This seems to be, if I'm an ancient Jewish expression. God from Genesis 1 was a creator, and particularly sometimes of lights. And 9, it seems to play off of Genesis 1, 14 through 19, praising God, creator of lights, it says, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule the day, the moon to Great lights of his an expression of the origin of all of these things. Light comes from God. He better of all things. But but why is it and this is what this God is the father. In trials and tef- testing, why do I need to know him for his good gifts, knowing that he is the? Well, just think about how significant light is biblically. You could probably right now come up with you know a, in the Bible at least that memory the light is everywhere. Biblically, is the rescue. It is seen as the source of salvation. It is the source of blessing. It is seen as of joy and of light. To have light is to have life. In that, to be in darkness on the Bible, it means you are lost. It means you are. Means you are ignorant, pained. It means you are stumbling. It means you are it means you are failing. It means you are dead. It means you are facing judgment. It means I'm God. That's but to be in to be with God, to enjoy God's salvation, to. verse in 8.16, and you can just kind of see how the Jews, but this is right after Jews are rescued from all of the Jews, the placement of Esther, but what does it say about the Jews says this about the Jews in Esther 8.16. For the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. To be in light is... In fact, God in his presence with, with God is to be in light. The people of the light. 
see this imagery all throughout the probably can think of the pillar of fire of Israel in the wilderness. You probably can think of the holy place in the presence, that's what the lamp is, it, it represents God's presence, is it reveals, it exposes, walk. It shows that you're not alone. God's presence dispels darkness. It reveals, it shows you where you are at so you know where to go. To be with God is to know ahead of you, as it says, Five, your word is a lamp. Not know it. What the next God is like, John 1 5 tells us, in him there is no darkness. Reference to God's holiness. But with God's holiness comes piercing, revealing reality about him. Oh, your world different. Know yourself as well, because you are in light. I love Psalm 43, 3. It says this, Oh, send out your light and truth, and let them lead me. Bring me to your habitation. Notice, God's light is often associated. Where does God's truth bring you? A relationship with God. If you are in God, and that is why you are enjoying life. God's presence is wrapped in light. He is who put off the dark on the armor of light. If you are God's and God's people, light is your new identity. As a matter of fact, the and the millennial kingdom light. Notice also here, God has said quality of him, but notice also, he is not said to just be light. God is the source of light, but he is different than the and it shifts. Earth moves around the sun and Joshua still in the head, you know. But God in light is not like the light we have. Constant character does not shift or change his character, and it also refers to his truth. With him, there is no variation or shifting shadow. His light isn't like creating picture God. No, God, no shifting shadow with our God. He is trustworthy to be in purity and joy and peace. Matter of fact, I think this is what James refers to the Father of light. For a picture to experience of wisdom coming into your life. If you are asking for his truth, 
reality. You are the asking for wisdom. Wisdom gives you light. It gives you perspective in trials. You can say, I know where you're going with this, God. You are going with this. Uh, you're going in this trial with me to perfect me, to sanctify me. I have perspective in this trial. It hurts, but pain is weakness leaving the body. Light gives perspective. Light also gives you patience. I don't know where you're going with this, God. I don't know where you're leading me, but I trust your character that with you there is shifting shadow creation of change, and so I'm going to follow you, even though I don't understand where you're taking me. Light gives you perspective. Light gives you patience. Light also, I would say, enjoy. Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace. Because your God is constantly and that is what you need in your life, in trials and temptation, you need the wisdom of God, the perspective of God, presence, and through his truth. Through God's truth, your path will be clear. Through God's truth, his will be proven trustworthy. And that, what, that is the good gift that comes from God, his wisdom. What is the response to this? Run, Run to him. You are the source of everything in order to see my world, in order to see my life accurately, in order to see myself and my weaknesses rightly, and in Let's move to our, our run finally to God. He is the source of everything in order to see To be. Run to God. He is the source of in order to see, in order to in order to be. The context here is don't be deceived about the source of evil and the source of in your life. It is not God, it is you. Remember that. Uh, God is the source, on the other hand, spiritual good. God is the source of every spiritual good in your Especially, what you should think about is, God is the ultimate source of the beginning of spiritual life in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit. God is the source of my created life. God is the source. Matter of fact, I love how whole passage together in a cross reference notice what it says Corinthians 4 6 for the God who light out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God face of Jesus Christ the God of light has given the light in regeneration in life to see the world is to see Jesus as it is. Notice in our passage, verse 15, in the exercise of his will, forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creation. 
of his creatures. Call this? Trials in your troubles, you need to remember that God is the source of the blessed beginning of spiritual. He is the source of the beginning. He should be trusted with the totality of your Right? Now God is the source of my new life, my spiritual life. He has opened my or should I trust him to help me navigate through this world as one? Because I have been born again, I trust him in in sanctification, doing Christ-likeness, because God is the source of everything in order to be what I need. Notice, just, just, just to unpack this really quick before we go, Oh, why did he do this? Why did he us forth by his word? So emphasized. And James really wants us to know that your spiritual life wasn't by the determination of you or your will. You need to know this. Your and solely his deliberate work and choice. So of everything you've got going the reason you're here, the reason you praise Jesus is because willed and determined to move in your heart and change your heart from a heart of stone, from a heart of darkness into a soft living heart. And he was not moved by anything outside of his determination, outside of his will, Right? He is not tempted for evil or for good. He self-determined to do this in us because of the abundance of his love and his grace and his mercy towards his own will. He is the beginning of everything good in our life. But notice also another question. How did he bring us? How did he bring us into new life so that we should trust him with all of our lives? By the word of truth. Did you see that? He brought us by his will, but also by the word of truth. And this is important to point out. God's transforming power begins in us through God's word. And God's continuing transforming power continues in us through his word. It never changes. You grow as you grow in God's word. That is how he brought us forth. Into new life. Why? What is he going for? Is he just seeking? How is he just trying to make me happy and all things? No. Notice there is a purpose for which he brought us forth. It is so that we could become a first fruits. Now, those of you that aren't farmers what first fruits mean. Our farmers don't even know what first fruits are because this is a first century analogy. First fruits was an offering that ancient Israelites would offer to God. It was considered the first part of the harvest and the best part of the harvest and the rest of the harvest would come a little bit later. And so by giving first fruits to God, you're essentially saying, you are most important. You're the one that truly provides for me and I'm going to trust in you for the rest of the harvest. I'm not going to the best for myself I'm going to 
in an act of worship, and I'm going to trust in you to provide for the, the essential point of first fruits is this. This is just a beginning. There is more to come. Right? God saved us to be an example, James says. And we could even say this about ourselves. He saved us to be an example of his grace and of his mercy, but sign of good things to come. To display God's grace and to find people after you of God's grace as well. This is the which Christ died, and this who are born again to live a new life on purpose for God. Now, I'll say it one last time: If God is everything you need in order to see in order to become what God calls you to become. How or should you run to him in your trials and in your troubles of life? Source of everything. Your response reveals how you think about God. Your response to trials reveals your Because God is to be the highest esteemed thing in your life, person in your life. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you for this evening that we get to come to you and gather around your word. And I pray that we would grow through the various trials and troubles in our lives to love you more and to cherish you more. Thank you for these blessed verses, your glorious mercy and grace to us. And may we humble ourselves before you in worship and receive every good and perfect gift that you give. Amen.